Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blaze Experience once again. I'm your host, Derek, as always, and you are joining us for episode 95 today. And we are coming back to talk some more Borderlands. A little while since we talked Borderlands, but the release of Borderlands 3 is coming very soon. And I wanted to do a Borderlands 2 retrospective. So we've done a retrospective on Borderlands 1, on the pre-sequel, and on Tales from the Borderlands. This is our retrospective on Borderlands 2. So like those previous episodes, if you did hear them, it's going to be kind of the same way. We're going to talk about spoilers for the story. Um, so, you know, if you don't want to hear spoilers for the main story, then kind of uh, head out at that point. But we're going to talk about some of the characters of Borderlands, uh, all the new characters in Borderlands 2, some of the returning ones and, you know, how they fit in some of the enemies, and then we're going to talk about some of the DLCs as well. And one of the reasons why I didn't do this podcast until later is because on stream we were still playing through a lot of the DLCs, so all of the main campaign DLCs I have played, so I can kind of um, talk a little bit about them now. I have a little bit familiar with them. So we're going to talk through those. And real quick, some items at the top of the show here. Our next stream is going to be a Borderlands stream on Sunday, so tomorrow after you're hearing this, 12 to 4 Eastern Time. We're going to actually play Borderlands 1 again. We're going to play the Dr. Ned DLC. So I'm going to go back to Borderlands 1 for the first time in a long time and play the Dr. Ned DLC. And that'll be our final Borderlands stream before we have uh, Borderlands 3 release later in the week. But just at the top of the show here, I do want to mention as well, in case you weren't aware, we do have merchandise now. So if you want to check out some of our merch, go to teespring.com slash store slash that's teespring.com slash stores slash place experience. You can get pillows, uh, shirts, stickers. There's some leggings in there. Uh, you can get a mug. A bunch of different items in there. So just check it out. And if you want to become one of our Patreon members for as little as $1 a month, you can join patreon.com slash place experience and get some exclusive rewards there as well. But that being said, I will introduce our guest here. He's been with us for all of our Borderlands podcasts. So you've heard him uh, plenty of times before. Please welcome back to the podcast, Zombie Killer Ma. How are you, Zombie? Good, good. How are you? I'm great. You ready to talk some more Borderlands? Yeah. I'm ready for that uh, Dr. Ned DLC on Sunday, too. It's going to be fun to go through that. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait. But in Borderlands 2, we have a lot of new characters, so we can probably start with those. So why don't we start with some of the characters that you can't play? So um, how about we start with Mr. Torg? How, who is Mr. Torg, and how does he relate to this game? So, uh, Mr. Torg, okay, a, um, a very um, hyper individual, and very muscly. Uh, too much, actually. Uh, I think some steroid use was involved there. Um, <laughs> but apart from that, uh, basically, he's he's very he's a very lovable character for when you first meet him. I know you, Blaze, were obviously a big fan of him when you first met him because oh yeah, I loved him. <laughs> yeah, because. <laughs> He's not smart, but he comes up with the most outrageous stuff, and he's the one character who's the comedy relief character who always swears, and that's just a relief when you just make him laugh all the time. But you're but, forgetting why I loved him most, Zombie. What I love most about him is he actually shut Tannis up. Like, he, he basically was <laughs> trashing Tannis, and I hate Tannis, and he basically started out, like, Tannis is trying to talk to him, and he's like, why don't you shut up? <laughs> I'm like, yes, you're awesome, dude, I love stuff. you. <laughs> <laughs> piss off with all that yeah. nerd stuff <laughs> yeah he, he told Tannis uh, to piss off so he, he was automatically you know one of my favorites just because of that <laughs> so. and we've gone uncensored already that was quick but yeah <laughs> um, but yeah he's very he's a very lovable character and uh, he he works for the Tar Corporation as kind of like 
Uh, he's not the head of the corporation. He's like one of the workers who organizes he's these the events. Um, he like organizes these events for people, especially the one that we did um, when we first met him, which was um, about finding a vault. Obviously, he arranged an event in arena where the biggest, as he calls everybody, badasses would fight to see who would open this vault. But more on that later when we get to it. But yeah, it, Mr. Torg is a very likable character. Yeah, no, I definitely had a lot of fun with him, and he's really cool. So um, we'll talk about his DLC more afterwards, though. Yeah. But another character that uh, we also talked about a little bit in Tales from the Borderlands, because we saw him there, is Shade. You want to talk about Shade a little bit? Yeah, he's very shady. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, I know. Everyone's going to probably hate me for that now. It's going to be really awkward when they go, oh, zombie did shade and shady. Oh, oh God. Oh, cringe. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, shade <laughs> is um, in charge of this place. Um, well, not in charge, but he lives in this place called Oasis. And when you first meet him, he's basically became friends with mannequins because he's out of his mind and basically has made them all talk and they all have their own personalities. So basically, uh, Shade is not a, he's not a psycho to that point where he's full on crazy, but he's lost his mind and thinks mannequins are actually real people when we first see him anywhere. Yeah, and basically he puts them all in these different poses, and it's kind of weird. So <laughs> yeah, I think there's a bit of a little bit of a craze going on there, but let's not get into that detail, especially the one with the mannequin <laughs> in the bathtub. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but another character we have that is non-playable is Ellie. So who is Ellie? So there's a, I, this is a character I can actually say lots about now uh, because Ellie is the sister of Scooter, uh, who basically didn't like uh, Sanctuary for obviously being like uh, closed in, guarded, having to try to work at a bar because Moxie was telling her to, um, and she went off to make her like to make her own living, which was making cars like Scooter does. So they worked together from time to time, but you find her out in like the dust and. She's one of those characters who doesn't really she she likes she enjoys herself when she makes others feel pain, as she gets us to do for several missions. Especially when we first meet her, she's literally crushing a bandit in a truck. <laughs> so she's not really frightened of anything. She's more like a bit like she, she she can be a bit cocky at times, but she's allowed to be because she can make awesome like vehicles for us and and a lot more. So it's like a scooter two point but. That's yeah, she's, she's honestly pretty cool like Scooter was, so yeah. I definitely enjoyed her presence. Yeah, she, she, she's really fun. But next up, we had someone new named Sir Hammerlock. Sir Hammerlock. Um, he's a game hunter. Uh, he's well-spoken, posh, and he likes to go and hunt these creatures around Pandora that people wouldn't say they're like common creatures. So like the bully mongs that we meet, like the ape creatures... Uh, he'll have you do some missions where you obviously hunt them. He's basically big on finding things, like finding creatures that people have never found before and hunting them for like their pelts. So he's basically a massive big game hunter that you meet. Yeah, and he has a pretty decent DLC. Um, we'll talk about that more after. Yeah. But um, honestly, I didn't really have much of an opinion on him. I didn't like like him. I didn't hate him. I mean, he's just kind of like you know meh for me. He's he's, yeah. he's there. So his um his sister as well. Um, also appears in Borderlands the pre-sequel as well as yes. the Baroness. Uh, but don't, though we don't see her in this game. Um, we'll, the first appearance of her is obviously in the pre-sequel, but yeah. 
we know he has a sister, but apart from that, that's the only main thing we get on family within the game. Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, like I said, he's not really that interesting to me, so... But he has a decent DLC, I guess, so... Yeah. But our big baddie for this game, who we also know from the pre-sequel, is Handsome Jack. So how does Handsome Jack relate to this game? Whew, Handsome Jack... Where do I start with Handsome Jack? He's, He's the villain who... Most people like, like, he's not even a villain. <laughs> he's supposed to be the villain, but everybody loves him because of how, like, arrogant, yeah. cocky he is. On the lines he come out, he's very witty. He's the villain you love to hate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's the villain you love to hate because he's an awesome villain. He's probably the best villain they've probably ever done. Because yeah, the way I he agree. does stuff and makes you hate him. I will say, though, from what I've seen so far, I think uh, Borderlands 3, the Calypso Twins, might actually be... um fairly close to him in, like, you know, love-to-hate category. So we'll and see I hope there, so. But... And I truly hope so. Because from what I've seen so far, like, maybe not as popular as Jack, but I think the uh, Calypso twins were probably going to love-to-hate them, I'm hoping. so. Yeah, the problem I forget, like, Jack's probably going to be, no matter how many more Borderlands they bring out, Jack, he's probably going to be the best villain they've probably ever created. In probably, yeah. So... But yeah, you know, he, he's handsome Jack, you know, he's a crazy guy, and, you know, we, we love him for that, so. Yeah. And he's in charge of a high period. We saw him in the point. pre-sequel, we saw him in uh, Tales from the Borderlands, and we saw him in this, so. Yeah. So far, I mean, he's not going to be in Borderlands 3, but so far, the only game he wasn't in was Borderlands 1, so. Uh, there is a reference to him uh, in Borderlands 3, but I'll tell you about that later. Sounds good. But next up, we have a character that's honestly uh, maybe even more popular than Jack. And that is Tiny Tina. Actually, I can get your point on that. Yeah, Tiny Tina. <laughs> Tiny Tina's awesome. So, uh, it's she's a young little girl who uh, is a bit crazy. She makes things go boom. Yeah, exactly. So basically, she's she's not as smart, but she look she she she's smart because she uh, you wouldn't see it at the start because of, like the way like she talks and stuff like that. But she's a whiz when it comes to explosives. Like she's your main like explosive type of person, but. She's also, uh, she's also one of those other characters who's in, who's lovably insane at the same time. Who just wants to make things explode. Yeah, she's honestly awesome, and her DLC um, we'll get to later. Yeah. But it was honestly the best DLC of the game for me. Um, it was yeah. a lot of fun, and it, it is really um, kind of touching and heartbreaking at the same time. Like, basically, um, we won't spoil the story yet, but how she talks about some of the events in the story. Because she can't really cope with them, so. Yeah, uh, that's really good. Uh, when we get to the DLC, there's good, really good character development for her there. Uh, but before you even do all that, uh, when you're obviously with her, she's very enthusiastic. She's very, like, eager, over the top, very shouty. And basically, she's very lovable for that reason. You can't really hate her. Definitely agree. I mean, uh, she's one of my favorite uh, NPCs in the game, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I remember when we talked about this uh, for Borderlands, you're gonna like a character called Tiny Tina. I remember when we talked about it, and I was yeah. right. <laughs> I predicted that one right. So, <laughs> well, I don't know who wouldn't like her. I mean, she's pretty I, easy. Exactly. To like, so. Who wouldn't like her? She's awesome. Well, I can tell you who that somebody actually. Um, somebody that might not like her is this crazy guy we had. Um, technically make their first appearance in this game, but we talked about them before. That's Professor Nakayama. Yeah. Um. Professor Nakayama makes a brief. Uh, he's, he's he's in the pre sequel, 
and you do a few quests for him on top of Hyperion, but apart from that, and you that's briefly really see it. his body in Tales from the Borderlands. So yeah, and you briefly, t- yeah. Uh, but we'll get onto how all that in t- like happened within uh, Hamlock's DLC later on because that's where he stars as the main person in that. Well, main villain. Yeah, in that, he's so. he's one of the toughest bosses in the game, honestly. Yeah, God, you'll be you'll be there for hours. Make sure you have a full fire team when you do it. Make sure you have a full full four people with all the best gear to verse him because he's like he's so hard. Like I don't know, on stream we struggled to verse him. Well, I wasn't there. But... Oh yeah, it, it was tough. Yeah. I mean, I know I struggled. I, I almost just ran away and quit the game. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll all make sense. When we get the deal say, Don't worry. <laughs> But yeah, that's um, the new characters besides our Vault Hunters. So before we get into our uh, new Vault Hunters, let's talk about some of the returning characters that are coming back. So um, we have Marcus, Zed, and Tannis. So they all come back as kind of like, you know, the regular uh, vendor type NPCs that you usually have. And, um, you know, Marcus is cool. Uh, Zed's okay. Tannis really sucks, and I can't wait for her to die in some game. Like, <laughs> the Borderlands that they kill Tannis in, like, I I will be there for that. Like, that'll be my favorite <laughs> mission in Borderlands if I can get to kill Tannis. I just love the way you went down in the altar of them. <laughs> Marcus is, he's alright. He's alright. Zed, uh, he's, he's decent. And then no, Tannis like, I absolutely good. hate her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just a little bit going down. <laughs> uh, yeah. You uh, missing- I... Crazy Earl as well I, from that list. Oh, yeah, Crazy well. Earl, yep. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, um, I just don't know what it is about Tannis. She just she just seems so uppity and stuck up and boring, and there's nothing good about her. Like, she's just useless, too. I mean, but what see, has she ever done for us? But you see, you know? Hammerlock's like that as well, and you don't despise him. Hammerlock? Yeah. Well, Hammerlock's just a guy that, like, you know, sits well, there and admires his trophies. Out. I mean, like, at, at least he's admiring some cool trophies. You know, he's sending us to kill some cool beasts. Like, what does Tannis do? She makes us go and get, like, your old journals. Like, I, I don't care about your old journal. No, no. Like, Tannis is just boring as hell. I mean, you know, we had a better scientist. Um, We'll talk about this DLC after, but we had a better scientist that could have taken over for Tannis. But, you know, unfortunately, the guy dies, so. Yeah. Like, that was a heartbreaking moment for me, honestly, because, not because I really love this character, but, like, I was just so hopeful that, you know, Tannis would somehow die and he would take over. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, that's not the case. But, you know, who should, um, you know, Tannis, we can kill her, and we can just find someone to take over for. Like, I mean, we we could make a new scientist, you know, like, um, how about Brick as the scientist, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, Brick could have a new scientist. He'd probably <laughs> smash all the vials together and crit, and, like, mutant that you couldn't kill. But that's still better than Tannis. I mean, it's at least interesting. <laughs> I know. But yeah, uh, you know, apologies for anyone out there that actually likes Tannis, but um, I've just always had something against her, so, <laughs> ever since Borderlands. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, um, it sounds like she's definitely not dying this game, because she's our, like our doctor, but maybe Borderlands 4, she's going to die, you know, hopefully, I'm really hoping, you know, but she'll probably whether it's like five or six years from now, you know, maybe she'll die, so, let's hope. <laughs> she's probably the doctor from Borderlands 4 as well, you know. We'll see. <laughs> But then we have some of our old Vault Hunters come back, so um, we can kind of talk about some of them. We have Brick, Claptrap, Lilith, Marcus, oh, no, we already talked about Marcus, but um, Mordecai, Roland, so they all come back. So um, anything you want to say about these Vault Hunters that return? Um, the Dervers, recon- like, in, my, in my sense, like some of them play a big part, some don't. 
Like, Claptrap, for example, doesn't really play a huge role in this game. He's right. there for the prologue, and then that's it. Um, but then you have, like, Lilith, and Roland, and Brick, and Mordecai, who actually... Brick doesn't play a massive role in this game, but... Yeah, Brick's uh, actually gone for most of the game, yeah. and then he comes back towards the end, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, like, Roland, Lilith, and your two main... Vault Hunters that are obviously that return that actually play a big part in this game. Mordecai plays a pretty big role too. Yeah, Mordecai still plays a big role, but not as much as Roland and Lilith do, considering Roland basically takes the Crimson uh, Lance, who basically used to be villains from the first game, and basically takes them out of that and makes them a whole army that protects this town of Sanctuary, which is like the main place where everybody's safe. And he's the leader. Of like everything, he's the leader. He's the leader for use. He's the leader for all the new vault hunters. He's the leader for everybody that's in sanctuary right now. His job is to protect them. Lilith's like the second, uh, like second in command from behind him, but her job is to do obviously like make sure people don't even get to there in the first place. Right. So I said he equally play a massive role in this game because they're the two people you mostly talk to. Mordecai's there on a few missions to accompany you uh, in about the middle of the game, but he doesn't play as much as a role as them two do, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with all that. I mean, um, Mordecai is pretty interesting, though, so, you know, it is nice to see him in there. But um, basically, they help carry through the story. You know, they kind of are there with you um, as NPCs, you know, working alongside you to get goals done. And we do have one other returning character. Uh, of course, we have Moxie returning. Yeah, Moxie's going to be in every single game, though. Like, I don't see them ever doing it. She's, the, she's always been uh, the bartender. No nonsense. No, like, doesn't take any nonsense. Doesn't take any shit. Um, but she's she's there. And a crucial detail that a lot of people, um, huge fans of Bollons, will know by now that she's the... Um, I think I've got this right by saying people can correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure she is the mother of Scooter and Ellie, and that's the whole really? like director thing. Yeah, uh, uh, I yeah, I think they mentioned it on um, Fight for Sanctuary, the DLC for that. Um, but I think everyone's done that for a while now. I'm pretty sure she's the mother of both of them. That's so, interesting. Shouldn't she be older then? You see, that's where all the makeup comes in, though. She may be older, but the makeup makes it look makes her look younger. She doesn't seem that old. But. Exactly, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, is she? A I think I think it's more like a like a, like adopted mother than an actual at birth. Like if I had to guess her age, I'd put her probably around like twenty eight to thirty. But I think she's more like I think she adopted them more like an adopt like she adopted them more gotcha. than a birth mother. In a sense, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, Moxie's always fun. You know, she's your bartender. Uh, she gives you some quests sometimes. Yeah. You, can, you know, stop by our bar, have a drink, or do some you gambling. Can, you know. Yeah, you can. You, uh, like you can tip her, and if you tip her enough, she'll actually give you a gun. And there's two variants of that. You can get um, a corrosive gun called um, Bad Touch, or you can get a um, Good Touch, which is a fire um, elemental weapon. And it's always different which one you get, but you can never get them again. You can never get the good touch in the same playthrough, but you can get the bad touch so many times over and over and over again. Oh, so you can only get one or the other, basically? No, no, you can get both. You can get both in the same run through, only you can't get good touch. You can only get good touch once, where in bad touch, you can get it constantly. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. And so, are they actually decent guns? Or uh, I mean, they're all right for beginners, but then when you get more throughout the game, you find better weapons are, are ten times better than them. But they're good for the start. Makes sense. But yeah, you know that's kind of Moxie for you. So um, before we get to our Vault Hunters, one other thing to talk about is we have some more bosses. We have a long list of bosses, you know, ranging from uh, Knuckle Dragger to uh, Captain Flint, Warden, uh, Big Sleep, Sandman, Roscoe, all these different, you know, random guys. Um, so the three that I want to actually touch on, there's a boss called Piston who's very interesting, and um, I kind of enjoyed fighting him in Mr. Torg's DLC, so we'll talk more about that DLC after, but basically Piston's like the end boss you fight at the end of that DLC because he's like... Um, your big challenger, so he's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the character they gave him was actually really good. I enjoyed doing that because the character, like, it had me in as obviously I want to kill this dude. <laughs> that was me when I first played it. I was like, I hate right. him. <laughs> and it, it's good. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to hate the character, which is which is good on their part. Yeah, and honestly, you do hate him, and you know he's a pretty uh, cool villain. I think so. Yeah, you know, he only plays a side part, like a DLC, but I mean. He plays a pretty good part of that DLC, I think. He's one of my yeah. favorite uh, DLC bosses, honestly. Yeah. And before we say anything, no, Captain Flint is not Baron Flint. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> before you even say anything. <laughs> but another boss that um, some people, if they haven't played Borderlands 2, they might be surprised that it's actually a boss, is Bloodwing. So, um... We have to fight Bloodwing at one point, because Bloodwing basically gets infected with slag, and becomes evil so it's kind of um heartbreaking to actually have to fight blubbing it's not necessarily that he becomes evil he gets brainwashed into thinking that we're the enemy while getting pumped with all the elemental things that exist until you defeat him and then obviously the endings when we get to that in the story we can reveal what that ending is but yeah it is emotional because you know him as mordecai's like bird like and friend that you've right. had from all the first game so you've gotten to know, like, obviously, Bloodwing. So that scene is a bit like, oh, wow. Like, this is an actual major death for the first time that you're like, oh, wow, about. Because most of the boss battles in the game, you're like, oh, okay, fair enough. It's a boss battle. Great. They look cool. Carry on. But Bloodwing's the first one you're like, you feel an emotional attachment to because you don't want to fight him. Well, I wouldn't say it's the first one. So uh, I would say the first one you feel like you don't want to fight and it's emotional attachment is... This uh, person that Zombie decided to kill, and I was very, very upset with him. Um, zombie actually killed Wilhelm, and I still don't forgive him for that. We had to, or else he would have killed us, first of all. That's fine. He, he's a better guy, you know. We'll, we'll let him live. <sighs> but he, he basically, at this point, uh, because he likes all these enhancements, Jack basically turned him into basically a cyborg, in a way. Because he's basically more robot than he is human now. And the only thing that's left of him human is his head, I think. But he was it. my character from pre-sequel Zombie. I played a whole game with him. Yeah, well, that's the character you can officially say is the one who turns evil. Because he gets manipulated by Jack. And this is one of the first like major points where, you, where you're like, okay, I really want to murder Jack now. Because he forces one of the characters who, obviously, Blaze loved to play as, into becoming evil... And basically him having no control over himself anymore because he's more robot than he is. How is it Jack's machine. fault? You're, you're the one that killed him, zombie. You know, it's your fault. Well, Jack turned him into what he was. You could have let him live. Just, just let him there go by no the way. Live, by the way. There was no option for that or anything. You had to kill him in order to advance. But yeah, we'll just carry on with that. 
<laughs> I, I, I don't care, Zombie. I'm still going to blame you. Oh, yeah. You, you can blame you me kill, as much you as killed you killed my guy, but, yeah. so. But, yeah, I can just keep yeah, saying that he, he, he uh, killed, killed his uh, favorite um, boss in Baron Flint. So, yeah. Well, Baron Flint was a bad guy. He needed to die, but, you know, he, he was still my buddy, though, you know. Uh, I, I still could have went, you know, out for a drink with him, you know, hang out. We, we could have went bowling. I mean, imagine bowling with Baron Flint. That'd be kind of cool, you know. <sighs> Literally... You're becoming delusional like all the bloody Borderland bosses are. Stop it, please. Hey, you couldn't imagine bar blowing Baron Flint? Like, we could, no. you know, um, knock some guy's head off, use that as a bowling ball, and there we go. Yep, and this is Blaze talking. I think the um, the influences of Pandora finally got into him. Yeah. Who, who wouldn't want to do that with Baron Flint? Like, he'd be a great guy to go bowling with. I mean, I could just picture it, you know... We order pizza, just sit there, you know, Good grab a couple of heads, just roll them down the alley, you know. We, we could even put the bumpers on, that we don't go down the gutter. You know, no gutter balls. Just put the bumpers on, just have a good time, knock over some pins. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll just uh, leave that fancy to you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Baron Flint is still my favorite boss, for sure. <laughs> really? He's got to be number one. Yes, he's got to be number one. Wow. I thought you'd pick a different one, but okay. Hey, who else is there to pick? It's Baron Flint or nothing. There are you know? a ton of different bosses. Baron Flint or nothing. <laughs> no, he just stuck with me. But I mean, I think in Borderlands 3, I'll probably like a different boss better because I won't be speed rushing the game, so I'll have more time to enjoy the bosses. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, that's basically our bosses, so now we can kind of get into our Vault Hunters now. So our first Vault Hunter we're going to talk about is actually one you're very familiar with. Uh, let's talk about Maya. Okay, Maya. So she's a siren. Every game has a siren, as per usual. But, uh, except pre-sequel. Uh, yeah, except pre-sequel. But in the main, like obviously, if you don't count uh, the pre-sequel, because that's a pre-sequel... In the main trilogy of the games, 1, 2, and 3, there's a siren in every single one. Um, but Maya's, like, Maya's backstory, she's a siren, She she's like Lilla from the first game, only she has different powers because every siren's born with different powers than the other. And they're not all the same. Um, so, she was identified as a siren, as an infant. And was given to the Order of the Impendent Storm, which is basically a bunch of uh, monks. Um, who kind of in a way worshipped her, um, and uh, this was on like uh, it's her home world of uh, Athena's. Uh, I think I pronounced that. I may have botched that, but yeah. Um, but she uh, she was trained to use her powers, like her siren powers, by the monks until she reached her adulthood, when um, the monks basically she kept she was kept in secret to begin with, but when she became like an, when she got, she reached her adult like adult like adulthood. Uh, the monks revealed to, like, everybody that she was a siren, and she was, like, a saviour and a goddess and started worshipping her. And she wanted to go to Pandora. This is, like, why she came to Pandora. She wanted to go to, um, she wanted for adventure, and she always expressed interest in, obviously, travelling to Pandora to learn more about, um, like, why, like, her siren, like, why she's a siren, what these sirens do, and stuff like that. She was always like that. But, then she realised that this order that grew her up had basically betrayed her by threatening to extort her using money and like obedience to the people of her like um a home planet. So she then 
killed um, her brother Sophias, which is basically who was the main leader of them. And then now that she was finally free of all of that, that's when that's why she came to Pandora because she already knew about the vault, she already knew about Ovidium. So when she arrived, Handsome Jack immediately had her under surveillance because obviously she's a siren, and obviously that's a danger to him. And he loves his sirens, so. No, actually, that's Moxie who loves her sirens because Moxie in the game progress um says she had a and I quote lady boner for her for unknown reasons. But that and that's for both Maya and Lilla. Well, I mean, Jack loves the sirens too, so. Yeah. Which actually um, reminds me that we did actually forget to talk about um, one of the characters that returns. So we can stop on that real quick. Um, you know, Maya is a great character, and I definitely enjoy uh, having her in the game. You know, she's a really cool siren. She does uh, some different things that Lilith um, didn't bring to the table. But uh, we actually have another character that is. Um, spoiler alert, revealed to be Jack's daughter, Angel. Oh yeah, um, so Angel was in the first game, and she led them all around to the vaults and all that, um, and she returns to this game, and when, obviously you have the cliffhanger of, obviously, her being Jack's daughter, when you realise what he's actually done to her, it's really sad. Definitely. Yeah, but obviously we'll get onto that more later, when we actually go through all the story. But, yeah, well, we didn't even know Jack had a daughter. Like, we thought it'd be a bit obnoxious for an actual daughter. So that's even a big surprise when you find that out. But Angel's obviously, like, your guide. Like, a guiding angel. Uh, hint, hint, hence the name. Angel. Uh, but, yeah, she's kind of like your guiding angel. Not to protect you, but to tell you what's ahead. How to get there. What's your next objective. Right. How to get to the vault. Because without and basically her, the story so far, you, you actually think that she's betrayed you, but... Yeah. Then you find out more about what happened to her, and her story is actually a pretty sad one. Yeah, it is. Like, you think, when you get through it, and then half, uh, halfway, that she's obviously evil, she's betrayed you, she was never your friend. But when you actually find out what happened to her in the end, it's really sad. And you, you feel more sorry for her than you... You feel more pity for her than you do anger. I agree. Yeah, I definitely feel bad for her, you know, and we'll get into that when we get to the main storyline in a second, but... I definitely did want to stop on her real quick because we didn't forget to talk about her. Yeah. But back to our vault hunters. We have another vault hunter that uh, Tanda's actually used a little bit on our stream. Uh, Krieg. Okay, so Krieg. Um, so Krieg's a psycho. And um, he's a psycho that has a lot of thoughts going on in his head. Uh, one having a peaceful like side of his mind, the other one wants violence because psychos always want violence and death and destruction. Um, but obviously he's always um uh, been around like wandering of the wastelands of Pandora, uh, only wielding ever his axe, his uh, buzz axe, killing bandits, anyone that got in his way. But his inner voice that I've just mentioned uh seemed to have a far less influence on his actions in those days. Barely being able to obviously uh, contain his blood loss and targeting non-hostiles like combatants, civilians, all that stuff. But it's when he um, he meets Maya at a train station that he's in a voice somehow knew that she's both a siren and a vault hunter. Don't ask me how that happened, but apparently he's in a voice figured out that she was also a, she was a siren. It's obvious because all sirens have blue tattoos. It's obvious, um, but. The second one, obviously, being that she's a vault hunter, was a bit like, 
okay, how did you figure that out? But it's because Krieg basically stopped Maya from getting attacked from behind, basically, like, an attack that was going to, like, basically, they were going to attack her from behind. It wouldn't have killed her, because she's a siren, but, because Krieg saved her, uh, he basically managed to, his inner voice managed to finally get through to him, and align himself with them, so he became a Vault Hunter with them as well. Yeah, he's definitely a weird Vault Hunter, like, you wouldn't think he'd be a Vault Hunter, honestly. Yeah, but he kind of has a thing for Maya, as you figure out, because there's actually, um, an actual trailer, uh, because he's a DLC character, there's actually a trailer for him, um, showing well, that whole apparently scene. Apparently, everyone has a thing for Maya. You know, he does, Moxie does. Like, apparently, everyone <laughs> wants Maya. Yeah, everyone wants Maya, apparently. Well, she's not like she's, you know, an old powerful siren that can't die and, you know, has powers beyond, like, human imagination. But, you know, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, Krieg, you know, he seems pretty interesting. Um, he's definitely a pretty melee focused character. So, I would say, um, besides Brick, he's the only, like, super melee focused character. Would you agree with that? Um,. Krieg as a character is very, like, I like it. Because it's the first ever time, obviously, they were experimenting with having a, an enemy that you kill all the time in this game actually be a character you play as. And I kind of love that perspective. Even though I never got to play Krieg personally, because that's not my playstyle, I still like the way what they did with that. Having you play as a psycho, killing other psychos. I kind of find that a bit funny. <laughs> but it's still yeah, it's good at the same time. No, I think Krieg's cool, and I, th I like that he's actually in the game, because it offers, you know, a different playstyle, a different perspective there, so it's kind of interesting, actually. But um, speaking of, you know, not being your playstyle, I actually did try one of our Vault Hunters that isn't really my playstyle normally, but I tried them for one of our DLCs just to kind of get a feel for it, and it's still definitely not my playstyle, but it was interesting to try out, and I'm talking about Zero here. Right, so Zero. Um, there's a lot on Zero. Mostly because the main thing is, nobody knows his appearance. Because he always wears all the armor, the mask, everything. He does talk, which kind of negates what I said when we first started. The thing where he talks very little. Because I forgot that he talks a ton. Because I thought he was a quiet character, but he isn't. Stupid me. But, yeah. <laughs> so Zero's a, uh, his backstory is he's an assassin for hire. Um, and... When you find all of his personal echoes, his wanted poster, he performs political assassinations and common hits. But these, uh, like following this, it's more like he has un it's unsatisfying for him doing all these assassinations because he's in a position where his target fails to ever fight back against him. It's despite him like Zero in encourages the people he's trying to assassinate to actually fight him back, but they never do. So he then starts to look for a more challenging environment, and then that's when. Um, he travels to Bandora, and then hearing about this vault from a bartender, not Moxie, but just a random bartender, he deems that hunt as worthy of his skills. Um, as as his face and body are completely covered by his suit, a certain amount of mystery surrounds Zero's actually true appearance. But in Echo Recordings, Angel remarks that she's not even sure if Zero is human. Yeah, Zero honestly is a pretty mysterious character, and I actually first got introduced to him in Tales from the Borderlands, so that's the first one I played. Um, so Zero, you know, in that, um, was kind of mysterious too, and he had, like, his own mission going on, but he seems more like a mercenary type character, I would describe him as. Yeah, like, a gun, uh, he's basically, yeah, um, assassin for hire, gun for hire, yeah, mercenary that wants a challenge but never could get one until he came to Pandora and actually found a challenge. Um, I, another thing to note about it as well is that Zero is not his true name. What's his actual name? 
We don't know. Interesting. But apparently no, Tannis. But apparently Tannis is aware of Zero's origins, and maybe she might know his actual full name, but never tells us. Huh. Well, you know that's more of a point in Tannis's negative column, I guess, because Tannis already sucks. So if she's not going to tell us information too, then I guess she just sucks even more. So. <laughs> yeah. But we don't even know his gender, or his or her gender. Sorry, I have to say it like that because we don't know if Zero's a boy or a girl. So, that's another interesting fact, because everyone imagines Zero as a he, most of the time. But imagine if it turns out that it was a she. That'd be a major twist. But well, I mean, three make it happen. Male, though. <laughs> his voice is male, though. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I guess it, but he could be he a voice box. Voice change, maybe. Yeah, okay. He could have, like, sense. a voice size or, like, a voice box that makes him right. sound male. That's true. So Maybe one day we'll find out. <laughs> Borderlands 3, make it happen. <laughs> But next up, we have um, someone that definitely likes his guns. Uh, we're talking about Salvador here. Salvador. I don't know why I just said it like that. That was cringy. I'm not going to do that again. But Salvador. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, we're actually told his age and that he's a local and he was raised on Pandora. Um, so his age is actually he's 36. Um, he's a he's five foot four. Because he told his height for some reason. Not like all the other characters, but probably sure we know his height. But his stud growth, and the reason he's not taller, is revealed to be due to heavy steroid use throughout his life. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, and despite his love for excessive violence and being armed, like like being aimed towards bandits and criminals, Salvador, not, uh, nonetheless, like, nonetheless, is about, like, like, I'm trying to think of a way to, oh god. He basically, because he fights bandit and criminals, on his hometown of, of Jaius, um, he's about to be executed by his own people for his actions. Even though he's dealing with you know, bad people, he's still going to be executed for it. Um, but uh, but when a, strike, a Hyperion strike team arrives to seize the town, after destroying all these forces, Salvador becomes interested in a new vault. Like, upon hearing of its dangers while interrogating the last survivor of the strike team, of that Hyperion strike team that went to attack him. And then he, he doesn't kill him. He leaves that last person that's alive to crawl back to Hyperion on a single arm. As Salvador ripped his other arm and broken both of his legs. Ouch. <laughs> he, he sounds a little bit more violent than Krieg, even. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Apart from that, all we know is that he's wanted for a lot of crimes. So, manslaughter, theft, arson, destruction of property, trespassing, cannibalism, public indecency, profanity. Um, he has basically, out of all the Vault Hunters, he has the most crimes accounted for him. And he is the Vault Hunter that actually uh, can dual wheel guns, too. Yep. Which, um, by the way, you haven't really been talking about each character's ability, per se, so... Do you want to quickly mention the ones we already touched on? Uh, their ability. Um. So the oh yeah, because we're forgetting the abilities. We're going through all the backstories. We're forgetting the abilities. But yeah. So uh, the ability for Maya is she's able to phase lock uh, an enemy. So she's able to suspend them in the air in a ball, and all your teammates can shoot at that enemy. And she has a skill like a perk for her where if she's shooting that enemy and she kills them, she can regain health back. That if she's lost health. Plus, she has perks that you use to use heal. Which you use on, um, yeah, like you have this perk or whatever that you actually can shoot me and heal me, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, she's, she's like the healer of the group, because 
not only can she suspend enemies above the air uh, that are, like dangerous enemies and everyone can shoot them. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like a lot of times on stream, like zombie, shoot me quick. Shoot yeah, me. it's like literally <laughs> okay. Just shoot that person. You can heal them, or you can yep. use her ability to actually revive somebody, not from the dead, but revive them without having to go up to them if they're in like fight for your life. You can just revive them from being far away from them, and they'll come back into the fight rather than you having to go over to them. So it helps in a tricky situation. Yeah, it's honestly a great team character for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next, uh, Salvador's have, ability. Uh, Salvador's ability is the dual wield. Yep. Um, and he's able to dual wield two guns at once and do a ton of damage because obviously you can dual wield two guns at once. You're obviously going to do a bunch of damage. And he's basically a damage type of character. Uh, because he's able to obviously take control. But I assume that affects your accuracy, right? Like, uh, dual Yeah, because he's hip fire. Okay. You can't actually aim, yeah. but it's hip fire. But I think you can add perks to yourself, like skills that you can, like, on your skill tree that can make you more accurate. Which helps, so. And then we have Zero. What's uh, Zero's ability? Um, Zero's ability is that he can go invisible and basically run around the, uh, the battlefield, getting into, like, basically flank locations that obviously if we're for example if we were in like a tight spot where he could flank into that position and then reappear and then immediately then he's in a flank position to wipe out all the enemies while obviously we're shooting at the same time right you're also forgetting too that he actually has a clone that appears yes so and he also enemy, yeah. enemies think that there's a clone like enemies think it's him but it's not actually him yeah and he also uh yeah, so that he also has the clone, which that gets sent out and that goes straight forward. So the enemy start thinking that that's him, but it's not. Meanwhile, you playing as Zero is going around getting a flex mission while your clone is just going straight down the middle of the battlefield. And the enemies don't care about you because they think that's you running across the battlefield like an idiot. <laughs> yes, it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, it's good because you just trick the enemy and then when you reappear, there you go. You're in a flank position. You've basically wiped out everybody. So then... There's no issue then. And then we have, of course, Krieg. What's Krieg's ability? Um, with Krieg, he's able to do a ton, and I mean a ton of melee damage when he starts swinging his buzz axe around. Uh, his buzz axe, he starts stringing it around at enemies, and he does tons of damage. And I think he's resistant to a ton of damage as well at the same time. Because he goes, like, berserk. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Brick's ability, basically, right? Yeah. Except without fists and axe. Yeah, essentially, yeah. It kind of... It, his skill kind of reminds me of the people who have who have played GTA, uh, GTA Five. It reminds me of Trevor's ability, where he's able to not take any damage at all, but still do insane amounts of damage to like everything around him. Yeah, that's fair. So that's who, that's what Creed's ability reminds me of. Anyway, but we do have two other Vault Hunters. So next, we will get into the one that was my main Vault Hunter. So um, do you want to tell us about Gage and what her ability is? Okay, so Gage, uh, she's a high school student. Yeah, first ever time they actually included a high school student, not an adult, in this. But she's uh, she's um, from the planet Eden Five, and she has she created Death Trap, which is her ability. She's able to send out a bot, well, a massive like bot that fights for her, and can also revive you from uh, from fight for your life if they kill an enemy. So it's like two of you fighting. Like, at the same time, so you actually have additional help on right. your team. Right, so think like uh, Wolfenstein, basically. It's kind of like that with uh, yeah. Wolfenstein's ability. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Plus, uh, if you add certain skills to her, the bot, um, a Death Trap's able to heal you, uh, give you all your shields back. If you've lost them, gain additional shields of his own, do tons of melee damage for both you and him. 
and many more stuff that just help benefits both people. Yeah, and honestly, it's pretty cool that you know this sixteen-year-old high school student can uh, actually yeah. build that robot like that. Like that's pretty badass. So. On to the backstory of Gage. So, she was a high school student from Eden 5. Uh, she originally uh, made Death Trap and called it DT as a science fair project to combat bullying. Her rival, uh, Marcy Holloway, was a contestant in the science fair as well and used her father's money to buy her way through the competition. Marcy then apparently stole Gage's DT designs and sold them to Eden's 5 police force. So, on the day of the science fair, Marcy's father then bribed all the judges, helping her win first place with a, a detective robot based on Death Trap's blueprints. Gage placed third, but when Marcy then shoved Gage, it caused Death Trap to identify her as hostile, and then Death Trap attacked him, uh, attacked her with its claws, causing her to explode into, yeah, into pieces. Oh, nice. So uh, due to a miscalibration on Gage's part. Uh, Gage was then escorted to the principal's office and was facing expulsion and arrest for accidental murdering of a rival. She then called her father to dis- create a distraction to help her evade arrest and then bought a ticket to Pandora where she stowed away on a train leading to obviously where the prologue takes place in Wincher Waste. Interesting, so I don't think she was expecting all that to happen, but... <laughs> yeah, she's also the highest... Um, like, basically, she's the highest person that has, like, basically the highest bounty on her. Because, because Marcy's father was rich, the bounty that he placed on her head was 820 million, which is the most out of everyone. I'm surprised, like, Jack didn't try to find her and turn her or something. Yeah, well, at the, at the start of the prologue, he does try to kill them all to stop them from getting for the vault, but, you know, again, we'll get onto that later. But yeah, I was surprised. Right, but I'm well. surprised he didn't want all that money. Yeah, I know. But we have one, um, well, actually, before we get to that, um, I will say, you know, Gage was my main character, and I did enjoy playing Gage a lot. Um, she's a pretty cool character. Using Death Trap is pretty fun, because Death Trap is kind of like an extra fighter that you send out that fights for you, and basically, Death Trap has uh, revived me a lot of times by getting kills for me, so, you know, it's definitely cool to have that extra uh, force in the field, and it kind of helps your teammates, too, because... You know, say you're playing with a four-person team, if you throw out a death trap, it's kind of like you have a five-man squad for a little while. Yeah. But our last one, um, I actually saved this one for last on purpose because this is the one character out of the six that I never really hear anyone talk about. Um, it doesn't really seem like a lot of people use or care about this character, as far as I can tell. So, um, Zombie, maybe you can tell me why, but um, our last one is Axton. Okay, so Axton is basically... He's like Roland in a way, like the abilities like kind of the same. So he's able to spawn a turret down. But the only difference with this turret to Roland's is this turret can get placed anywhere. So on a roof, on a wall, on a floor. Unlike obviously Roland's one, which is obviously just on the floor only. Um, that's the only difference between them. So he has this turret that obviously helps him in battle. Um, and obviously he can, like with his perks, he can have more accuracy with obviously all of his assault weapons because he uh, originally came. He was born in. Uh, hi, um, oh god, uh, this name is really long, so it's hard to even pronounce it. Um, Hieronymus. Hieronymus. It's a really hard name to pronounce. I probably botched the hell out of that, but anyway. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, close enough. Screw it. Uh, so he spent 10 years as a Dahl mili- uh, in the Dahl military force, uh, reaching the rank of sergeant. Uh, after his pursuit of personal glory and discard of and discard of obviously orders, uh, it led to a few nu- numerous of compromised missions that he was obviously on. 
he ended up compromising because he wanted personal glory and he discarded the rules. Uh, his then wife, who was the commanding officer, uh, then divorced him and discharged him from the military. Uh, she then made it a point to highlight that it, it this would lead to his death by a firing squad, then ordered him not to flee to any numerous border worlds beyond Dahl's reach. Taking her non-subtle suggestion, Axon then went AWOL using his skills and his turret as a mercenary on other planets. Uh, Axon then became War of the Vault thanks to a radio advertisement orchestrated by Handsome Jack, who had, who had been monitoring the Commando's most recent bounty hunts. Although Axton was turning in more bounties than ma and making far more money than anyone else, um, in Sheriff Youngblood's jurisdiction, he was found that it was too easy and that um, he had a lot of obviously fame, fortune, and challenging combat. That's what drew him to Pandora to obviously hunt the vault because he wanted the fame, the fortune, and more challenging combat, and that's what drew him to Pandora to hunt the vault. That makes sense. Yeah, honestly, he never really seemed like that much of an interesting character to me. I mean, you know, as far as I can tell, it doesn't seem like a lot of people really like him. Like, do you know why that is, really? Um, I think it's because he wasn't really a unique character in a way, because he had basically the same skill as Roland. I think that's that makes sense. It. People are like, well, I've already kind of seen this, so I don't really want to play him. Yeah, um, but... Um, some more like facts about Axton, and I didn't even know this until I just looked this up then. But apparently, Axton—he's uh, the only one out of all of them to dislike cats. Okay, I don't see how that's relevant, but all right. Um, and also, he's, he's apparently had disputes with Tiny Tina about throwing dynamite a dynamite at him because Tiny Tina, what you expect. Um, but also, well, another having one, fun. Yeah, but then another one. It's still, like, Axton's sexuality has been a controversy for a while. I've, I've actually saw this, uh, like, people talk about it. Uh, and apparently he's bi. Right, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, that's the only one that's actually explained. Yeah, that's the only sexuality thing that, on here that's actually explained. Which is weird. But anyway, enough about that, because nobody cares about that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I think cares. he's the character uh, people care least about, just because. Yeah, it makes sense, like you're saying that you know it's because like his power was basically the same as like a previous guy, so kind of makes sense to me. But he didn't really have much different about him, it seemed like. So yeah, but you know that's all of our characters, uh, bosses, all the playable characters, everything like that. So now we're gonna get into the missions and story. So basically, in Borderlands 2, there's 128 missions available. And if you include the DLCs, there's 287 missions. So that's a lot of missions on me. Bloody hell. I didn't even know it was that many. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. there's a lot of that missions. So. Jeez. There's obviously a lot of side missions, you know, Um, but the story missions, like the official, official story missions, there are 19 of those, technically. Okay. Um, It starts with my first gun, and the final one is the Talent of God. But... Basically, um, we can kind of go through the story of Borderlands 2 a little bit. So, where do we start off and where do we kind of go from there? Okay, so it starts off uh, from after the events of the intro, which is uh, Handsome Jack luring the Vault Hunters onto a train and then attempting to blow them up and kill them so he can have all the Vault for himself. They then wake up on uh, Windspur Wastes, which is a snowy, which is in the mountains, which is a snowy place. Uh, they left her for dead, but obviously they've survived all of that and got up. And as characters keep saying constantly, and it got a bit annoying, they're the first ever people 
to survive, like to have an interaction with Handsome Jack and survive it. Um, so when they're up there, the first person that they meet is obviously good old Claptrap is the the first person that they meet because you met him. He's the first person that you meet in the first game, so you'll meet him again first in the second game, and he then leads you to his um hideout, and basically that's where the whole intro like prologue starts. Because obviously then it starts telling you how to play the game, what the controls are, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the first boss comes in immediately. Normally it, it took a bit of time, the first one before the first match actually turned up, like major boss. But this boss turns up immediately and then takes Claptrap's eye and then runs off. Now it's these new creatures called uh, Bully Monks, which is a new creature. Which I thought were really cool. Like have a fight. They're like ape type creatures. Uh, yeah. And the whole. A whole intro, what it um, digests is basically you fighting uh, all these bully monks, getting Claptrap's eye back from the head of the bully monks that were there at the time, um, called Knuckle Dagger, and then you kill you kill him, and then you get to obviously you get off the mountain because you have to find somebody to actually repair um, Claptrap's eye because without it you can't see. Um, so you you would then arrive in the next area, and you then meet Sir Hammerlock, and you have to help him clear out all of Captain Flint's men who are currently attacking the place. So you clear it all out, and then he basically repairs Claptrap's eye for you, and then you go to kill Captain Flint, in which um, Claptrap gets um, captured by us accidentally blowing him up. And he gets shot right into Captain Flint's place. So while he's there being prodded and tortured, you fight your way through Captain Flint's men and eventually kill him. And then arrive in the main area of the game, which is the main area of Pandora. Which is the area just outside of Sanctuary. Which is the main place where everybody is. And it's also part of where um, Borderlands 3 is going to be focused too, is Sanctuary yeah. 3. So. Yeah, it's, all, it's another place where obviously that's going to be focused in uh, as well. Um, now, Sanctuary was only mentioned in the first game, but in this game, you actually get to see Sanctuary in its full. Because the Crimson Lance, who in the first game were the villains, but now Roland has basically became the commander of all of them, and basically said you can either die out there or join me and help keep this town safe. So they now own all of Sanctuary, and I keep it safe from... I'm trying to remember his name now. Give me a second to remember the guy's name. It's a, it's a bandit, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But uh, they're making sure he can't get in, and in, to make sure they ca he can't get in, they have uh, Lilith basically being this kind of uh, being the Firehawk going under a different name, so that. Not only that Hyperion can't track her, because a bit ago, like in between Borderlands 1 and 2, Lilith had faked her death, so that she couldn't be tracked. Which is a smart move, honestly. I mean, yeah. it keep, keeps her safe, at least, for a little while, so. So, when you first arrive, you obviously, you've got to go, you go to Sanctuary, but then you have to try to find one of Roland's uh, lieutenants, who, di who dies, basically. Um, and then when you arrive at Sanctuary, you find Roland isn't there. So then you get this anonymous call from the Firehawk telling you that, oh, I have um, I have Roland, you better come to me. So you go to the Firehawk's lure, and it turns out to be Lilith. And that's where you first introduced to Lilith. 
And then she tells you that, oh, well, the Bloodshots, who are the uh, main bandits at that point in the game, have kidnapped Roland so they can hand him over to Hyperion. Because Hyperion want them all dead. So then, obviously, because Jack wants them all dead, so we can obviously get to the vault. Because in the pre-sequel, Roland and Lilith and Moxie were all the people that betrayed him. So he obviously wants them all dead. Um, so with the help of Lilith, um, you then start to basically make this plan to obviously go and help like free Roland, so you arrive at the main hideout and then immediately can't get in because you don't have the vehicle. So it's then you then go to the dust, which is the dust. It's, the dust is weird. Yeah, it, it, it's a major I, bandit place essentially. So all hell breaks loose over there. So there's a civil war. I remember that doing some side missions there. Like the side missions in the dust were kind of um, strange a little bit. Yeah. Too. So there's bandit tentacles going all over the place, firing at you, so you're never safe. If you're always roaming around there, you've got spider ants attacking you every which way and sensor, whatever they're coming from. They come from everywhere. Uh, you've got a civil war happening on one end that you can get involved in. Uh, you've got a treasure hunt you can get involved in. Basically, a ton of different stuff. Um. And that's where you meet Ellie, because you need to get a bandit technical, and Ellie knows how to meet. So she then tells you to go out, kill some bandits, obviously do the um, casual thing of just go and kill some bandits, get the parts off of the trucks, come back to me. You then meet the bandit technical, you go, you go in, try to uh, try to save Roland, but then he's kidnapped by Hyperion, uh, in this bot that they have that's trying to kidnap him. And then you head to the dam, which is obviously the place where the bloodshots are, you head to the top of the dam. And there's a situation that can occur here, and it's the first major thing that can happen. So, you you basically can't, you could you could fail at this point, which is the first ever time you could actually fail a story mission within this game, which I find really unique. It's the first ever time if you take too long killing this boss, you can fail, and it isn't a game over. It's just a fail. You can fail the first part of rescuing him, which I found really unique for that point. I don't know if you didn't find that. Did you find that unique as well, boys? Um, yeah, I found it a little bit interesting. Um, it probably wasn't my favorite mission of the whole thing, but I found it was, you know, a decent mission at least. Yeah, it's it's. I found it very unique as well because it's the first ever time you can actually fail. Like in a game like Borderlands, it's the first ever story mission you can actually fail. So I found that a bit like unique. Which I don't uh, remember exactly where um shows up in the story, but I thought we thought it was interesting too. The mission where like. Basically, Jack wants you to kill yourself. You jump off a cliff. Uh, that's well later in the story. Yeah, it's funny though. Yeah, that is a really funny mission. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that mission's called the Damn Fine Rescue. But you can fail that. Yeah, damn that's fine. mission number eight. Yeah, so you can find you you can fail that mission. So you can fail to make a damn fine rescue. That 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 was trying to be funny there. That failed miserably. Again. <laughs> But yeah, everybody at this point is face palming me again, going, oh god, why are zombies trying to do these things? You should things? probably quit while you're ahead. Yeah, I should quit while I'm ahead. Anyway. <laughs> um, so then, you get another opportunity to actually save Roland. It isn't the end, if you fail at that point. Because he gets taken then to the other secure prison site. Where then you have to venture over there, and it's within the dust. Because of course it's in the dust. Everything's in the dust. Um, <laughs> and you, you go over there, and you rescue him. Uh, and then obviously he goes back to Sanctuary, and then you go back to talk to him. And then you start the next mission, uh, a train to catch, which basically you have to stop this train that's carrying the vault key, because Jack has the vault key at this point, because uh, before uh, Borderlands story had taken pl- uh, Borderlands, like between Borderlands 1 and 2, Jack had actually, and I think you'll like this part, 
Um, basically, Wilhelm and Jack had basically beat the living shit out of Tannis and then stole the vault key off of her. Um, but they didn't kill her, though. So. Uh, leaving her alive to prove a point, as Jack says. Uh, he left her alive to prove a point that he isn't a bad person, but he is a bad person. It's just Jack's character, which, again, I love. Um, but yeah, so you go to a train to catch, and then that's where you meet Mordecai, because he's asleep on a watchtower. Uh, and then he covers you in all that area while you sell this plan to stop the train, to blow up the train so you can get the Vault King. And who do you need for this plan if you're going to use explosives? None other than Tiny Tina, who you first meet, and she's having a teapot party with a bandit before blowing him up into smithereens. Yeah, she makes things go boom. Yeah, as yeah, she pretty much says, she makes things go boom. Uh, so she creates these um, bombs that you get for her, and they you basically blow up the tracks where the train is, and then you venture up there, and then you verse the boss that obviously Blaze is not happy with me about because you verse Wilhelm. And you kill him. Yeah, Zombie was a mean guy. <laughs> Definitely uh, not cool. <laughs> so after that, you then realize, oh wait, the vault key wasn't on the train, it was all a trick. Ha ha ha, Jack laughs at you because you're an idiot. <laughs> As he does for pretty much half of this game, he just laughs and laughs and laughs. So much laughing, it's unreal. Surprised he doesn't have a sore throat by the end of it. Um, and then that goes into um, heading over... God, I'm trying to remember now. Oh, wow. So, God, I've lost myself now. Um, okay, so after the train... Yeah, I've got it now. So, you then head to Opportunity. Uh, a place that Jack is starting to renovate, so all Hyperion can live there. It's like a massive, like, bright, bright, a very bright city. Um, and you basically go there, and you basically start to sabotage the place. So that it isn't... Yeah, it's honestly a pretty cool place. I remember doing some of the side missions there. Like, um, one of the side missions we did was, like, topple his statues in that town. Yeah. It's basically, the whole point is to sabotage that place so it's unlivable and that people don't want to go there and stuff like that. Um, and then, from that point, you then go to the wildlife preservation. Um, and that is the point where you have to verse Bloodwing. Which is this is the first major moment where you're like, oh god, this is bad. Because at the end of that boss battle, uh, throughout it, Jack's trying to remember, oh, what's the last, uh, what's the last uh, elemental uh, thing that I have to remember that I inserted into Bloodwing? Ah, right, explosive, and he blows Bloodwing's head off and kills him. Yep. And Mordecai isn't happy. Yep, and Mordecai goes ballistic, <laughs> as any person would, to be honest. Don't blame him. Uh, so then he wants revenge, really bad revenge. Uh, and at this point as well, I should mention that um, Dave, uh, at this point, Angel has betrayed you. Uh, she betrayed you earlier on after you've rescued Roland. Uh, you get this, um, you get the core for the city, so the shields are all those hyper can attack them. But she basically hands you the wrong she uh, shield. Well, you pick up the shield that's already been corrupted, because Jack deliberately put it there after you've killed Wilhelm. Um, and you insert that in, and that's where you realise that she's betrayed you, because the shields go down, they don't come back on, and then all the base starts getting under attack. And then it becomes a flying city, because Scooter, with, with Scooter and Lilith's help, they teleport it, and turn it into a flying city. For which is interesting. Which I, I can't really do. Yeah. Uh, so you then, for some part, some, for some time, you then have to find your way back to the city, because it's not on fast travel maps, because you basically wiped it off the map. 
Uh, so and quickly, too, I want to stop on one of the uh, side missions that's kind of around this area of the story. Um, one of the interesting side missions that Tandis actually, um, you know, introduced me to was the clan war of the Zaffords versus the Hodunks. If you want to talk about that really fast. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Zaffords and the Hodunks is this clan war that you can get involved in. And um, before we go into this, there's more backstory about this. Is the fact that the Hodunks is where Moxie's from. And that's when she took Scooter and Ellie away because she didn't want to be a part of that group. Hence why you see her out of character in the pre-sequel. It's her acting like a Hodunk. Because she's Hodunk at blood. So that's an interesting fact for you there. Um, so Ellie wants to unite this clan war so she can get rid of them so they're no longer an issue for her. And you basically, at the end of it, after you've done all these missions, sabotaging each one and they don't know it's you. You, you choose basically at the end who you want to win this clan war. And I find that really fun because you get to be in a clan war and you get to fuck over everybody and it's really fun. Um, and you basically you choose which one you want to betray at the end. And one will yeah, survive and one will die. Yeah, it's honestly kind of fun. Yeah, and I find it really fun. It's, it's, really, it's a fun little side mission. There's a few in there that are really fun that sidetrack you from the main yeah, story. Yeah, that's kind of why I want to stop on it real quick because we're around that part of the story. So yeah. I think it was part of uh, the convention at least. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, we can continue with the main story now though. Yeah, yeah. So, after the Wild of Preservation, we then basically have to go to the, um... I'm trying to remember what the name of the people were called. Ah! The mission's called the Once and Future Slab. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, The Slabs. That's it. The Slabs. Right. Anyway. So, uh, you have to head to this place. Roland sent the uh, leader of the Slabs a message going, Okay, right, we need your help. Blah, blah, blah. So, you go through all of his men. Um, and then you have to fight all these best men in his, like, little, like, um, like throne room that he has and then it's revealed to be brick finally turns up about 80 percent into the story near towards the end of the story yep. at this point <laughs> he turns up and... he's been hiding as the king of the slabs all the time yeah king of the slabs uh and then he goes oh it's you you're an honorary slab now yay blah 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 um and then hyperion attack and and with the help of brick you go through and destroy all the uh, drop pods that they're making like the signal boosts for them you destroy all them so they can't keep sending enemies jack gets frustrated because robots can't kill three people or in our case it was four people but yeah um and a bot yeah you just you just couldn't kill them and jack gets frustrated because bots are useless as he says all of them are useless um and then he goes back, and Brick goes back to Sanctuary as well. So then they all basically make this plan with Angel, who at this point is like half and half who you trust. And basically, they want, Angel wants the Vault Hunters to come and kill her. Because she has the Vault Key all along. When you, what you find out is she has the Vault Key to the Vault all along. Uh, and you need to get into the place where she is. And first, you need to get the voice of... Um, you'd have to get the voice of Jack because you need a voice module to have to get to the last door. Um, so you then go to um, the bunker where she is and use that voice command after versing the actual bunker itself because it's a living thing. Oh my god! When I first versed that, I was like, "What yeah, the it's fuck?" Weird. I was like, <laughs> "My god, this is." A it was a fun. It's fun though because not only have you got all the stuff attacking you, you got to verse the bot that's shooting stuff at you. Uh, you got to worry about where you're getting shot from. It's basically really hectic, but it's a fun boss to verse, in my opinion. It's a very fun boss. It is, honestly, yeah. Um, so after you've done all that and you head into Erler, um, that's when you find out that Jack is 
basically using his own daughter, pumping her full of iridium to actually charge the vault key and basically turned it into a siren. Right? And basically he's using her to his own personal use and she's always been captive, she's never walked around, she's never had any freedom, she's been manipulated by her father to do his own bidding all the time. So that's when you start to feel a bit of a remorse for her because she's not had a chance to ever do anything herself. Um, and it's sad because in the end of it, um, she tells her dad. Yeah, she basically spent her entire life like just hooked up to iridium, and that's yeah, it. that's literally it. And it's bad. And then when Jack, and this is a point where you see Jack actually in an emotional state when we're we're slowly killing her. And it's really good character development. Like, on, on, on full of Handsome Jack's thing, you've never seen him emotional until you get to that point. And once you've killed Angel, he turns into a man who's got nothing left to lose. And at that point, another cliffhanger happens. Oh my god, Roland's dead. Jack kills Roland. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Because And then he captures Lilith, because Angel gave a warning beforehand, don't bring Lilith, because she's the most powerful siren on Pandora, so what's Jack going to do? He doesn't have someone to charge the key, Lilith turns out to be there, so then he puts a chain of, a, a chain around her throat that basically makes her brainwashed and obviously can't do anything, and then she's the one who charges the vault key. And at that point, you're like, well, oh crap, they've got Lilith, and oh great, they're going to charge the vault key really quick and we need to get there. So you, Mordecai, and Brick basically head to uh, the place where you know where the vault location is because you go into the archives of Hyperion. That's the mission just before it. Uh, you go into the um, archives of Hyperion. You figure out where the vault is. And then all of you together charge the vault and then turn up at the... You turn up, you turn up at the perfect moment for when the vault awakens. Because Jack awakens the vault after you do a boss battle where you actually verse Jack. He doesn't die at that boss battle because he awakes what is the warrior, which we saw from the pre-sequel. Yep. He awakes the warrior, and then you have to verse the warrior. Uh, and then and after... the warrior is definitely a fun fun fight. Yeah, because the whole place is basically surrounded in lava, and you have these crystallists that are versing you the whole time. Uh, things are getting thrown at you. The actual vault monster itself, the warrior is basically doing tons of damage to you. Um... And in the end, you get an option. And I know which option we pick. Uh, like, you can either have Lilith kill Jack at the end, or you kill Jack. Yes. And I'm trying to remember, actually, what was the option we picked for that? It was us that killed him, wasn't it? Yeah, I killed him. Yeah, we killed him. The alternate to that is Lilith does it and basically overloads his head with iridium and it's flat. Which is the more cool That's one. That's an interesting alternative. Yeah. L- Lilith gets to do it and she basically charges his head uh, like with, it, with with her powers. And, like, it doesn't blow up his head, but, like, it, like, basically makes his head a bloody mess because it goes, like, pshh. Like, using the power. So, it, like, puts so much pressure on his head that he basically kills him. And he's just left there in a bloody mess at the end. Rather than us just shooting him, he's left, his head's left in a bloody mess at the end. Um, and that basically ends it because you you, you, de- you defeat the uh, warrior, you have the vault key, uh, and then you realise that this vault key basically shows you the map of where all the other vault keys are around all the other planets that are around Pandora. And then Lilith makes a plan to obviously go and raid all the rest of these. And then that's where the game basically ends. Yep, so we basically find out that there's plenty of other vaults in the world. Yep. There are so many. There's a full map. Or the universe. So yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Um, Honestly, it's a pretty cool story. It's definitely a lot longer than um the pre-sequel or Borderlands 1. So 
I definitely appreciate um, you know the length of it. And honestly, unlike uh, say like the pre sequel, for example, there's really not a bad part of the story in my opinion. The story is really cool the whole way through, and I definitely enjoy the story the whole way through. Yeah, it is really fun. It definitely is really fun. Emotional moments in it. Is it the first game you actually experience emotional moments within the game itself? Definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of the main story. You, you touched on it um, very well. You know, there's not really much stuff that I had because you basically explained the whole story. So, um, I will say, you know, I definitely feel bad for Angel and her situation. But, you know, at least she died kind of helping um, make things right. So, that's good at least. Yeah. But, um, you know, there is a lot of DLC for this game, which I'm sure um, everyone knows as well. So we'll get into some of the DLC here. Uh, I kind of want to start by uh, briefly touching on some of the DLC that we didn't try. And then we can kind of go into the ones we did try. So uh, we have this thing called Headhunter Packs, which there looks to be uh, five of those. Do you want to explain what those are? Uh, so the Headhunter Pack is full of... DLCs that come after the main story, and um, if we go off the ones that we actually did, there uh, there were a few. Um, we didn't do those. Uh, did we not do any? Did we not do any of them? No. Oh, right, did we not? Oh, fair enough then. Okay, I thought we did, but I guess I was wrong. There you go. We're proved wrong already. Okay, so the headhunter packs. So the first one is you have like TK Baha's uh, Bloody Harvest. So that's basically the Halloween one, and you go over, and it's just basically the place for the undead. And it's him as an undead zombie, and you burst this uh, boss that's basically corrupting the whole town. And then, that's it really, it's a really short one. It's a very short DLC, that one. The next one we have is basically um, another Mr. Tog one. And Mr. Tog basically sabotaging Tog entirely, like the company itself, by basically ruining... Uh, some of the competitions that they have with some of the monsters, poisoning some of the monsters. That's a really short one. But you get to meet his grandma, who's a big fan of yous. And you have to listen. The two missions that you have there is basically listening to her story that drones on forever. And you've got... I love the missions for the titles for this. Because the first one that you listen to, you obviously get... Uh, it's like, oh, you listen to the story, great. And then it goes, Grandma Flexington's story, the raid difficulty. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and it's just a longer story. Uh, the next one then is um, like how Marcus saved the uh, mercenary day. That's a, a, like a Christmas one. Uh, you basically help this town that got frozen over become lively again uh, with the help of Marcus and basically give the town guns. And that's the way that mission goes. You then have uh, Mad Moxie in the Wedding Day Massacre. And that is basically them marrying two people together. Uh, one from... Uh, the whole don't show from the clan wall that we uh, mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, two people from separate families going together. It's like a Romeo Juliet scenario. Only at the end, you realise that uh, we basically forced them to love each other. So then they both turn evil and then try to kill you. <laughs> that's interesting. And then that's okay. how that one ends. <laughs> and then the Sir Hammerlock, uh, the other Sir Hammerlock one in the son of Cromax. Uh, Cromax is uh, a boss from a DLC that you verse in the first Borderlands. Um, so that's where Cromax came from. But his son wants revenge, and basically, Sir Hamlock gets took, and you and when you refind him, it's about the the bot um, one of the bosses that are there, basically trying to kill all the Vault Hunters, but it fails every time because every single person he's got to do uh, to murder these Vault Hunters are dead every single time you find them. Uh, and then when you finally do get to the main boss battle, it's versus the son of Cromax. 
And then that's how that one ends with the death of the son of Carmax. And that's all the Headhunter ones. Interesting. So basically there's all like uh, really short DLCs basically, right? Yeah. Not like longer ones. Okay. That makes sense. But uh, beyond the Headhunter packs, we have some non-campaign DLC that we didn't uh, do as well. There is a creature slaughter dome, which I assume is basically like um, a dome with waves to it, essentially. Yeah, it essentially is that. It's like the underdome, but with waves, and it's just creatures, and you're just fighting. Okay. And then we also have one that sounds interesting, but you said uh, it's actually not as interesting as it sounds. The raid on Digistruct. Yeah. Uh, so the raid on uh, Digistruct Peak is basically Tannis is doing this simulation of an obstacle course. Oh, God, Tannis. So... Yeah, so she can test to see, um, like, how good guns are, how good, like, to train, basically, the Crimson Lance for the battles to come. And, uh, basically, you run this, uh, this this thing over and over and over and over and over again, getting better loot every time you do it. But it's essentially an obstacle course that you just keep doing over and over again. Just with harder enemies as you go so, through. I guess I see why they're not campaign DLCs, and they're basically just, you know, waves of stuff, so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But then we have five main campaign DLCs, which are um, all pretty fun. I think um, what we'll do is we'll talk about them in order of my least favorite to my favorite. How does that sound? Okay, fair enough. I'm intrigued to hear about this then. <laughs> so uh, my least favorite of the five, which we uh, I'll let you explain what it is, is Sir Hammerlock's Big Game Hunt. All right. Um, so... Uh, Sir Hammock's uh, big game hunt, so he comes to uh, this like swamp place, and he wants to hunt these monsters that people have never heard of before. Uh, and that's the, and you go with him to hunt, but then Nakiyama turns up and desperately wants to be the villain. He wants to be a villain for this DLC now that Jack's dead, he wants to prove himself. So in the end of it, basically Hammock just goes, oh, just go and kill him. So you do, you go you go to the boss battle, you have to versus massive, like, ape creature that starts to try to kill you as a boss, like, that's the major boss battle for that. But then you're like, okay, Nakayama's going to be a major boss battle, okay, let's verse him, can't wait to verse him. He's really difficult, like, t really, really difficult, because he walks down the stairs and basically falls down them and dies. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Um, he... he like you don't even fight him; he just literally falls down the stairs and kills himself. So it's it's, it's funny. <laughs> so honestly, that's in my opinion, that's the only reason to do that DLC just to see that end scene. Like the DLC itself really isn't that fun of a DLC, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, just just to see the end and just like wow, how Nakayama actually died. Yeah, exactly. But um, my next one, um, I'd say my fourth favorite. This might surprise you a little bit, but honestly, I didn't get a ton out of this DLC. But uh, it still has some interesting moments in it, and that's Commander Lilith and the Fight for Sanctuary. Yeah, so that this takes place after the events of Borderlands 2, and it's basically the lead It's basically of... the lead-in story-wise into Borderlands 3, basically. Yeah, it's the lead-in to Borderlands 3, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this guy from what they call the new Pandora turns up and basically poisons the whole town with this thing that turns them all into plant monster creatures. And it overtakes all of Sanctuary, and you have to fight to get back up to Sanctuary, but in the end, you can't save it. So you essentially blow it up, because you can't save the city at the end. And But you're forgetting the only good part of the DLC. Like, the best part of the DLC is seeing Vaughn. 
Yeah, yeah. the first person you meet is Vaughn, who's from Tales of the Borderlands. And he turns up, and you're like, hey, Vaughn, how have you been? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, being ca- casual Vaughn. Yeah, I just wanted to sit and talk to Vaughn all day. Like, I didn't even <laughs> want to finish the DLC. Yeah. Uh, you also get someone else from Tales of the Borderlands in that DLC, which is uh, Carius. But sadly, he meets his demise to the plant disease. Cassius, and yeah. The Cassius, yeah. And, uh, and it's so sad, too, because, like, he could have been our new scientist, but he had to die, and now we don't get Tannis. Yeah, because you know, we have to kill him because he has the plant disease, and it's the only way to cure Mordecai. Mordecai oh, my God. Because he got infected. Um, and that basically sums all that up. But it, it just leads into Borderlands 3 yeah, now. Yeah, it, it's sanctuary. sad, though. Yeah. Honestly, I think it would have been um, more shocking and cool if they actually would have had Mordecai die there. Like, it would have been like, whoa, damn, they killed Mordecai too? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you, you couldn't really have done it because they'd already revealed that he was going to be in the game at that point. So they couldn't have really done that. Right, but they could have, like, faked you out by, like, you know, showing Mordecai, like, inside a picture frame. It's like a picture of Mordecai, but you don't realize that until after the DLC and be like, oh shit, that was just a picture and that wasn't real Mordecai. <laughs> how would he, how would he have done that? <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Well, I think of it somehow how, they, how they'd show that. Well, let's just move on. I don't know how they'd show that. But... <laughs> uh, anyway. But yeah, the, the DLC is a good like story lead into Borderlands 3 though. So yeah, because you know what's Basically, in my opinion, the, the point of the DLC is that it gets Lilith to take leadership. Like, mm-hmm. she is a reluctant leader. She doesn't want to be a leader after Roland dies. But basically, the point of this DLC, in my opinion, is for her to become a leader. Yep. And by the end, she is a leader, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, number three for me. Uh, between two and three is kind of a hard choice. Um, number one is pretty clear for me. But between two and three, it's a hard choice for me to pick. Basically, one, I kind of like the story better, and one, I kind of like the environment and the setting better. Um, so basically, uh, what it comes down to, I think I'm going to have to pick story over setting. And for that reason, I'm going to have to say my third favorite is Captain Scarlet and her pirate's booties. I really love the setting of this DLC. The environment is so cool. It's one of the coolest environments in Borderlands, but... I like uh, a different DLC better for story. Right. Yeah, I can tell that would be a hard choice, yeah. Um, so... So, what's, what's Captain Scarlet about? So, Captain Scarlet is basically... It's 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 on Osiris. It's where you see Shade, uh, who we mentioned earlier. And basically, she's on this hunt for this treasure by um, a guy called Captain Blake, who left this treasure, and he's on, she's on the hunt for it. And she needs these, part, she needs these uh, parts of the compass. That you have to do. So you journey through all of the Oasis land. To find these parts of the compass. Even meeting her stalker. Who you end up blowing up. Who's a real creep. Um, That's uh, Tandis' favorite character in the game too. <laughs> Tandis loves that guy. Uh, yeah. I think he was being sarcastic about that to be honest. Oh he doesn't actually love him? No I think he was being sarcastic. Sorry to hear you. Yeah, I, I know he was. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know he was. <laughs> I I just want Tandis to listen to this after and be like, "No, I hate that guy." <laughs> uh, okay, so basically, she then betrays you because obviously that's what all pirates do—they betray you uh, because she wants all the booty for herself. 
because that's what yeah. And by the way, that's that's one of the things that like makes me not like this DLC as much too. Is like you saw that coming from a mile away yeah, that she's I, gonna betray. Like you you do the entire DLC that she's going to. So like yeah, you, you, the story of this DLC, it's really not that great of a story to be honest. Yeah, but. you you just wait in until she betrays you essentially. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah. Honestly, like story wise, I think um this probably could be arguably the worst story for me personally out of the five but because the environment is just so cool like i had to put it at number three at least because like i don't know if you can describe the environment at all but like it has like a lot of you know it has like waterfall areas like it has like a a barren uh, part of it where you have like this boat you can go on like it's really cool it's it's basically like it's like a lush wasteland is the best way i could describe it and in Borderlands, it's kind of like a difference, you know. It's a big difference seeing this area than uh, a lot of Borderlands. Yeah. But moving on, we have my second favorite DLC. And this one I had a lot of fun with. Um, it has some really cool characters. I like the story. I like how the story evolves and, you know, why you're progressing through the story and kind of like what your goal is. Um, and this is Mr. Taurus' Campaign of Carnage. Okay, so... <laughs> We have we gotta sign a waiver for this first before we talk about it. Nah, I'm just kidding. He blows it up anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, the whole point of this campaign of carnage is he's finding the best badasses because there's a vault, and the only the number one badass can actually open the vault. So it's a competition to see who the number one badass is, so they can obviously open the vault. And throughout all of it, you need to find a sponsor. Now, the first sponsor you find is Piston. And his character is basically being obnoxious, people telling him that he cheats, and basically he's wiping out all the witnesses that say that he cheats, but he doesn't. Uh, until later on we find out that he actually does, but apart from that. Uh, so basically, he betrays you really early on, and it's obvious that he's going to do so. Um, and then you get put down to fifth in the ranking, because you basically kill about half the opposition. <laughs> Which is the whole point of this. You're going up the ranks to be the number one badass by right. killing your opposition who's above you throughout every single exactly. one. Exactly. So you verse a can- uh, you, you verse a pyro guy, you verse, you verse pyro, pyro Pete, Pete, who's a pyro, like who loves fire. Uh, you verse... Motor Mama, I believe. Motor Mama, who's a cannibal, a cannibal, a cannibal bloody hell, uh, who's a cannibal. Um, you verse Piston, obviously, because Piston's the main villain in that. Uh, you verse him because... Um, obviously well, and he actually Peter. kills one of the rivals too. Like yeah. he actually kills one of the rivals. He kills Flyboy, who you who you originally yeah. were gonna verse in a helicopter, but he comes in with his blimp and basically just blows him up, giving you the number two spot. But then you blow up his blimp, and then you go to the arena. He gets a massive like dinosaur-looking uh, mech out, and then you destroy that mech. You destroy him. You kill him. Become number one badass, and then you open the vault, and then there's a loot tacular everywhere. Yay! Yeah, so honestly, for me, like, um, Torg is a really cool character. Piston's kind of cool. You know, some of the other bosses you fight are kind of uh, interesting. It's so, like, overall, the combat and, like, the mechanics isn't that difficult. It's not a difficult DLC by any stretch, but I, I think the story is uh, very interesting. And I-, I think it's a really interesting story, and I like going through it. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of interesting stories, um, you can't get any more interesting than my favorite DLC, which I think is a lot of people's favorite DLC in Borderlands 2. And that is, of course, Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. Yeah, so Tiny Tina's DLC is really, really good because it essentially is Dungeons and uh, Dragons, but in Borderlands. And you live out, obviously, all the storyline that, obviously, she's saying, and... 
uh, you'll play through all this. Is like Handsome Jack's the actual uh, main villain for that because he's obviously the villain for the main game. So why can't he be the villain here? And Tiny Tina's like your dungeon master, and she tells you what's happening. Yeah, she tells you what's happening. She sometimes changes the rules because they're a bit too harsh. And this is kind of what I was talking about um, earlier, where basically throughout the entire thing, she's acting as if like Roland's about to show up soon and take part in it with them, but they're all like. Tina, he's dead. Like, no, Tina, no. And, like, basically, she's trying to grieve by, like, pretending he never died. Yeah. Uh, and it's the first, like, major, like, apart from obviously knowing that she's, a, she's, she's like, loves explosives, she's a demolitionist. It's the first major story, like, like character development we actually get out of her. Uh, and obviously yeah. her finding her own way to grieve about obviously the loss of Roland. And it's honestly kind of sad and touching by the end too, because by the end, basically um, Lilith like tries to yell at her like, you know, Tina, you have to accept that he died. And she basically breaks down. And she's like, well, this is my story. Like, why can't he be alive? In my story. Yeah. So, because basically what uh, Tina does is she has Roland appear as like a white knight character that kind of like helps you out throughout the journey and kind of saves you. Yeah. She really does, yeah. And it, uh, that's her own way of grieving and obviously having him in the story, thinking he's going to turn up later. And then, obviously, putting him as the White Knight is like kind of it's like it's like a send off in a way to Roland, I think, the way they did that DLC. Right. It's like a send off to him. Definitely. Yeah. And there's definitely some cool parts in there, like you said, like you know, at some points it's like too hard, and then like she's like, oh okay, I can make it a little easier. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and she changes it a little bit. I forget um exactly what happens, but like um I remember at one point there's like a gate and there's like this super annoying guy at, at the start of the gate and then like they, she kind of gets rid of him. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So what happens is they you turn up at the gate in the main town and there's this guy who's being really obnoxious, arrogant, and nobody likes him. And then basically talk just comes in and becomes the main gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of funny actually. But honestly, it's a really well done DLC. Um. Tina is basically funny throughout most of it, and, you know, the other characters interacting with that, like, it's kind of funny seeing them interact with that, because, like, you know, hearing, like, Mordecai talk about, like, wait, what am I doing here? What? What? Yeah. I just love, <laughs> I just love the side mission in that one, they're all rolling uh, to see if you pick up the gun, but all of them keep rolling zeros and missing the gun. <laughs> that one's kind of fun, yeah. Yeah, she's like, how'd you fail like, Seriously? to pick up a gun? <laughs> <laughs> and Tina's like, the gun uh, moves far away. <laughs> so I love the gun. Uh, it breaks your fingers while you pick it up and then flies away. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's trying to And they're like, what? Seriously? <laughs> she's like, she's just trying to think of reasons. Like, um, okay, well, this happened because of this. And, uh. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun, honestly. <laughs> but honestly, the DLC is uh, the best DLC uh, for Borderlands 2. So if you were going to try one DLC from Borderlands 2, I think you'd agree that this is the one you want to try if you only tried one. Yeah, definitely this one would be the one. But, um, you know, that is all our DLCs. And that kind of wraps up Borderlands uh, 2. So... You know, we talked about the characters, the main story, the DLCs. Um, do you really have any other comments on Borderlands 2 overall? Um, it's it's a load of fun overall. It's a very, very fun DLC. And I can't wait to see what the UB3. Well, the game in general, not, not just the DLC. But all. Yeah, honestly, um, it's a very rich game. And 
there's hours and hours of replayability. I think you'd agree with. I mean, like, there's yeah. a lot of replayability in this game. There is a ton. Of I mean, people people have been replaying this for years, and like, basically, people just kind of forgot about the pre sequel ever existing. They just kept replaying this. <laughs> so. Yeah. But you know, that's kind of all we had to say about that. So you know, hopefully, you enjoyed uh, our Borderlands Two retrospective here. And um, our next stream is actually going to be a Borderlands One stream. That's going to be tomorrow. When you're hearing this on a Saturday, it's going to be tomorrow Sunday. And that'll be, let me see the date, Sunday the 8th. So Sunday, September 8th, uh, 12 to 4 p.m. Eastern. We're going to do the Dr. Ned DLC for Borderlands 1, which we never did when we did that podcast. So we're going to do that DLC. And that's basically what we have coming up. Uh, just real quick, too, if you want some merch, we do have merch now. We have teespring.com slash stores slash Blaze Experience. That's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com slash stores slash B-L-A-I-S-E X-P-E-R-I-N-C-E. You can find some merch there. You can find uh, shirts. You can find uh, pillows, stickers, mugs, a bunch of different items. So check that out if you want to um, see what merch I have available with my logo on it. You can also join us on Patreon.com slash Blaze Experience. If you become a Patreon, a Patreon member, for as little as $1 a month, and there's some different rewards here as you can get there, like some uh, special Discord chats where you get to um, help me make decisions on, you know, what I'm going to stream, different things like that. So definitely uh, stop by there if you want to check that out. But Zombie, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Discord at uh, ZombieColorama. Uh, you can also find me in, obviously, Blazy Streams all the time. Pretty much every single yep. time. Yep, he's one of my stream mods, so he, basically tonight. every stream I do, he's there. So I think it's only a couple, like, the night streams, but so sometimes yeah. you miss the night streams. but Because I need sleep. I need my beauty sleep. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway. And you will see Zombie a lot for Borderlands 3 coverage. Um, Basically, I'm going to cover Borderlands 3. Once it releases, I'm going to cover it, like, four or five days in a row, and... Zombies should be there uh, all those days, except maybe the Monday stream. Yep. If you want to uh, get a hold of me, though, you can find me via email, theblazeexperience at gmail.com. You can find me on Discord, which will be in the show notes. You can find me on Facebook and YouTube, which I have, but um, I don't follow us too often. So if you uh, write or message me on there, then just know that it's going to take me a little bit longer to get back to you. You can find me on Twitter or my Xbox Live Gamer tag, which is going to be at Blaze Experience. That's capital B-L-A-I-S-E, capital X, capital P, E-R-I-E-N-C-E. And those are the main ways to find me. If you want to find the podcast, you're obviously already listening to it. But some other ways you can find it are on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Radio Public, and many of the directories. Basically, if you just type in your search bar, The Blaze Experience, you will find us somewhere. And if you don't want to have apps on your phone or your device and you want to just um, download it directly, if you join my Discord, I do have a channel in there for direct download links. Basically, that entire channel is all the podcasts I've ever done. It just has a direct link to it. So if you just click that link, it'll download it on whatever device you're using. So uh, if you don't want to use any other apps, then you can go to my Discord and just click that link and you'll get uh, any podcast you want downloaded. So. But yeah, that's basically all we have for today. So, uh, Zombie, thank you for coming back again. I do appreciate you being here. You know, you're kind of our resident uh, Borderlands guy. So I, I appreciate you being here for that. Yep, no problem. Enjoyed it. But thank you, everyone, for listening as well. I do appreciate you all listening. So thank you once again for listening to The Blaze Experience. <laughs>